G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, it is episode 206 and today is Friday the 25th of August. Now this week we are going to do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week and I wanted to have a quick chat about a topic raised by one of our other engineers that you have heard on the podcast before, which is Andre. Uh, so he normally is on the podcast talking about uh, awesome new uh, security research that he has seen. Uh, but this time he is uh, planning to do a, a session at the Ubuntu Summit talking about uh, secure software development, basically, and is looking for uh, outside suggestions and contributions to that. So yeah, we will have a chat about that as well. But let's just get into uh, yeah, the usual roundup of uh, security fixes. So up first this week, we had an update for HAProxy, a single CVE here. And this is uh, for Ubuntu releases 2004, 2204 uh, LTS respectively, and 2304. So all the more recent ones. Uh, in this case, the vulnerability was that it would forward requests with an empty content length header, even when there was content in the request. And if we read the CV description, it talks about how this then violates um, the RFC 9110, uh, which is HTTP semantics. And so I thought, well, I want to know how that actually works. So I went and read the, uh, read the RFC and the RFC actually says, if the message is forwarded by a downstream intermediary, a content length field value that is inconsistent with the received message framing might cause a security failure due to request smuggling or response splitting. As a result, a sender must not forward a message with a content length header field value that is known to be incorrect. Basically, if you receive a, uh, a HTTP request that says, say, content length of zero or whatever, but then actually has uh, you know, an actual data in the, you know, the, in the uh, content of that request, then you should be throwing it away. Or you know, conversely, if you receive with a content length value that's not the same as the actual amount of data there, you should be throwing it away which HAProxy was not doing in this case because ultimately then if you then do forward that on, say, to some, in this case, HTTP 1 server, uh, it may then interpret that payload as an extra request. And so therefore you could essentially do a HTTP request within another HTTP request as the body of that and uh, in, therefore smuggle that in, a HTTP request smuggling. So yeah, that was a cool little vulnerability there uh, fixed by the team. We also had an update for Podman uh, for a single CVE, and this, this is for Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. Uh, there's an awesome blog post actually that talks about this, and I've got a link to that in the show notes, and I will try to do it some justice by explaining it here. Essentially, this vulnerability is an interaction between supplemental groups, uh, negative group permissions, and set uh, group ID binaries or set GID binaries. So uh, let's take a step back and look at each of those. So supplemental groups. Now, uh, on Ubuntu, when you create a user, you say create, you know, in my case, I would create a user called Alex and I would automatically get a group created for that user also called Alex. And that's the primary group for my user. And you're probably familiar with this. If you go to the command line and you type groups, it tells you all the groups that your user's in. Uh, you may also see if your user is, say, an admin on the machine, that they also are a member of the sudo group. And that is then a supplemental group. So they have their primary group, which is you know, their user's name usually, or the group name, the same as their username. And they then have a heap of supplemental groups potentially. And in this case, we use, say, sudo as a group. And the idea then is if a user is a member of the sudo group, then they're able to use sudo to, say, authenticate as root and run things as root. So that is how you can then run, say, sudo apt-get or whatever it is that you're running. Now, so that's supplemental groups. Uh, what are negative group permissions? So the idea there is it's a concept that's not used very often, but you may say want to do deny listing based on uh, membership in a group. So you might want to say for a particular file or resource that it shouldn't be able to be read by all members of a particular group. And you do that by then assigning a group to say that file, but then giving it you know no permissions at all. 
And that then is a pretty easy way then to say restrict people from accessing it. Uh, the interesting thing about that is then when you sort of think about uh, set group ID binaries, now they're like set UID binaries, which we've talked about a fair bit. Uh, the idea that you set uh, a sticky bit on the uh, file permissions for that binary, then when it gets executed, uh, in this case, it gets executed with the group running that binary as the uh, primary group that owns that binary. So even if I'm, say, Alex, and I execute a set group ID binary that is, say, set group ID root, so the binary is owned by root and it has this special set group ID bit set, when I run it, it will run under the uh, root group rather than running under my users group. And this can be useful for you know, different things as you can imagine. And the interesting thing here is then when we combine all of these together, what you can imagine is if a user can create a binary, make it set group for one of their supplemental groups, and then they drop their own primary group so it doesn't look like they're in their group anymore, and then they run that, uh, does that then mean that they could then get access to something where their primary group had been, say, denied access to it? You know, you've got a file that says, uh, say, group Alex shouldn't be able to read it. If I then drop my primary group and I then run a set group ID binary that has, I don't know, a group of some other name, will I be able to access it? Because I'm now not appearing to be that group. Uh, it turns out that's not the case. You can't do that because on login, uh, it, the... Um, the system duplicates your primary group into one of your supplemental groups and you can't drop uh, your supplemental groups and so then it always looks like I'm always in my, say, Alex group and I can't drop out of that. And that then means you know, I will always still be denied access to that file, which is good. And this has been default behavior of Unix apparently since 1994, so a very long-standing tradition. But I guess it looks like uh, the container world, things are still having to catch up because uh, not only was Podman, I guess, making a mistake in this case, it was also Docker and Builder and CRIO and a bunch of other container runtimes as well had this issue where they wouldn't essentially duplicate that primary group into the list of supplemental groups within a container. And that then means if someone was in that container, they can then create a set group ID binary with one of these groups and therefore be able to potentially gain access to something that they were meant to have been denied from. Now, it, this sort of um, negative group permissions or sort of deny listening through this means isn't something that's used very often. So this vulnerability is very unlikely to affect um, most users. But if you were using that as a technique uh, to restrict access to things, uh, that has now been fixed by these container runtimes as well. So you can still use that in those container environments as well now. All right, so let's move on. Uh, so Postgres was updated as well. Uh, this is uh, latest upstream point releases for a bunch of our uh, Ubuntu releases. So that's 20.04, 22.04 and 23.04. Uh, it contains both a couple of different CVE fixes plus uh, other um, bug fixes and the like that do come from upstream Postgres. So just be aware of that. What else? Got an update for zzip.lib as well for a couple of different vulnerabilities. And this is for some of our older releases. So Ubuntu 20.04, uh, 18.04 and 16.04. Uh, ZZIPLI provides the ability to read into a zip archive. It's used by a bunch of different applications like uh, MPD, the Music Player Daemon, uh, Milky Tracker, and TechLive as well. So if you're, I don't know, working on LaTeX documents and the like, you probably could have been exposed to this. Both of these vulnerabilities, however, were just denial of service issues, so nothing too impactful. Uh, there was an infinite loop uh, that could be triggered uh, that essentially would result in a CPU-based denial of service as well as there was a possible memory leak as there too that could uh, give you a resource-based denial of service. But both of those require you to parse an attacker-provided zip files. So yeah, not too unlikely to be hit by that, but they have been fixed as well. GoScript, one of the packages that we used to talk about a lot on this podcast, but has since become, I guess, a lot better over time. You know, their sandboxing has improved a lot, and I guess their defensive programming has improved a lot too. But we have got now another vulnerability. Again, uh, single CVE here going all the way back to 16.04, uh, all the way through to 23.04, so every release basically. 
It was a buffer overflow when generating a PDF file for a DevN device. And DevN is an abbreviation for device N, which is a type of color space. So essentially you've got your color profiles and the like, and it's a way of specifying different color levels across a set of channels. And that's then used by various different printing presses and the like, uh, so that they can print your colors accurately that you've encoded into your PDF. Um, in this case, because you're generating a PDF, you do need some attacker controlled input uh, to, for that to run on to be able to be triggered, but that has been fixed too. Uh, similarly, Poplar was updated. Uh, in this case, though, it looks like someone was fuzzing Poplar and they found a couple of different vulnerabilities. Uh, again, these are for some of our older releases, so 1604 and 1804 uh, ESM respectively and 2004 LTS. And in this case, it looks like they were fuzzing the PDF to PS binary, uh, but that does expose, I guess, a lot of other parts of Poplar because Poplar is just a general PDF rendering uh, or PDF and PostScript rendering library. So yeah, it is used by you know things like the Events uh, PDF Reader and others. Uh, in this case, it was a stack overflow and an old pointer D reference that could be triggered when handling crafted imports. They've both been fixed, so both of those would likely result in a crash and therefore denial of service. After that, the kernel team has been busy delivering a bunch more kernel updates. So we had an update for the 5.15 kernel that is in Ubuntu 22.04 LTS, and that's also uh, backported essentially to the 20.04 LTS release as a hardware enablement kernel. Uh, I've mentioned a heap of these vulnerabilities before, but you know we do, it's the usual kind of things we see in uh, the Linux kernel. Got issues here across various different drivers and subsystems. Uh, a lot of these are use after freeze, triggered through various race conditions and the like, or you know issues with reference counting and things like that. Uh, you know they can result often in potentially code execution, so they are not great vulnerabilities to have. Um, got a few, I guess, less important ones. So a bunch of out of bounds uh, reads. Uh, now pointed reference, uh, memory leak, uh, what else? Uh, now to bounce right as well. So they've all been fixed there. Similarly, we had an update for the kernel in Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. And now I want to do a quick shout out to Portia Stevens from the kernel team. I know that she listens to this podcast and helpfully pointed out the last time I talked about uh, this platform, the Xilinx Zinc MP, which uh, I know she works on and uh, was a bit disappointed, I think, when I called it Xilinx Zinc MQ. So I apologize for that, Portia. But yeah, Xilinx Zinc MP. Uh, so yeah, they've rolled in 16 CV fixes here for that one. Uh, this kernel is also backported again to 1804 as a hardware enablement or, and our OEM platform as well there for that Ubuntu release. And again, very, very similar sorts of issues as the ones I just talked about. Oh, we had an update for Firefox. Now, this is essentially the second lot of regressions in the upstream 116 release. So they've now got a 116.0.3 release out. And a lot of the time I read these and I'm like, oh, okay, yep, some issue on Windows or whatever it is. But actually we've got an issue here that affects uh, Linux users and obviously Ubuntu users through that. Uh, in this case, um, there was an issue in screen sharing on Wayland where that was potentially broken because it would fail to properly negotiate the frame rate um, in its WebRTC connection when it was negotiating that with the underlying PyPyre system, which I thought was kind of neat so yeah cool uh, thank you mozilla for keeping firefox working well under wayland uh, only a few more to go through. So we've also got an update for Vim. Now Vim is you know, one of the most frequent packages that I talk about on here. And actually I did the maths and it's the eighth most mentioned package in this podcast now. Uh, only ahead of it is WebKit GTK, MySQL, PHP, Thunderbird, Firefox, and the Linux kernel. So pretty soon Vim will be you know, ahead of a few of those. Um, yeah, and it'll probably be you know, just sitting right behind Firefox and Thunderbird there. Uh, and it's you know, again, more of the same sorts of issues. Lots of people fuzzing Vim and finding you know, these little crasher bugs and getting a little bit of bug bounty cache for that. 
Clam AV was updated. Uh, this was an infinite loop in the HFS Plus file system parser. So, you know, handling Apple file system images basically. And it would therefore result in a denial of service essentially against all of Clam AV. So not a great one there, but that has been fixed. And again, that goes all the way back to Clam AV in Ubuntu 14.04 and all the way through to 23.04. So, you know, a good 10 year old code base there that is affected. And finally, INET Utils was updated for a couple of different CVEs. Uh, this is the package that provides a bunch of different utilities for various kind of network services and the like. So there's an FTP client there, a Telnet client, and actually Telnet daemon and FTP daemon as well. A talk client and daemon if you want to you know, locally chat on your Linux system to other users. Uh, and in this case, uh, what the vulnerabilities were a null pointer D reference in the Telnet daemon, which, you know, that's not super interesting. You can crash Telnet D, but I reckon if you are running Telnet D, you've probably got bigger issues. So yeah, you know, replace it with SSH. Uh, what else? We've got a failure to check return values when uh, dropping privileges using the set UID or set group ID uh, functions. And uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting as well. Um, essentially, you can think of it as uh, all these daemons uh, that are running are running as root. And when you then go and say authenticate and you want to run as your user, you don't want to run as root. You want it to drop down to the privileges of your user. So it calls set your ID to say set its user ID to your user ID. Um, but it wouldn't check the return value when doing that. And that would mean there are cases, not very often, but there are cases where these system calls can fail. And that would then mean that it would continue running and it had failed to drop privileges, say down to your unprivileged user. And now you're still running as root. And so your login session is running as root. So a pretty easy privilege escalation there. Um, but again, it's not really able to be triggered by a remote attacker easily, or they can't kind of trigger that situation where those system calls would fail. But it is, yeah, interesting to see. And I guess another instance where that kind of um, def defensive programming, making sure you're checking all your return values and the like as a standard practice, you know, really does save you in those cases. All right, and that is it for the week in security updates. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about this week, uh, as I mentioned at the start, is that uh, Andre from our team, who is often on the podcast doing uh, summaries of awesome new cybersecurity and computer security research, particularly machine learning and other cool topics like that lately, he's decided uh, to put his hand up and he'll be running a session at the Ubuntu Summit essentially on uh, software security and sort of secure programming and using various different open source tools about how to find vulnerabilities in your code or to improve the quality of your code. The Ubuntu Summit is coming up in a few months and I know that he is looking for, uh, I guess, different guidance as to what kind of tools people have been using, you know, what kind of things do they find useful when writing their code, what kind of vulnerabilities have they found, what kind of things uh, do they think is useful to try and mitigate it, really, uh, you know, trying to get as much, I guess, input as to that topic as possible to make it as useful for everyone else that he'll be presenting it to. So if you've got any thoughts on, I guess, how to do better secure software development or how to find vulnerabilities in code, how to handle that process overall, definitely make sure you get in touch with us. Now, he has got a thread on the Ubuntu Discourse, and I've got a link to that in the show notes. Uh, so you can always respond to that. But the other way you can always get in contact with us is you can always email us. And hey, that's a good segue to finish the episode. So yeah, it is the end of this week's episode. But as I said, if you do want to contact us, you can always email us, security.ubuntu.com. We also hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat because like I said last week, we are old school like that and we do IRC. And we are uh, on Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu security at fosterdon.org there. So you can hit us up there as well. So yeah, if you do have any comments, I guess, on the show or on how to do better software security and you know, the kind of feedback you could give to Andre on that, make sure that you uh, let us know. But uh, in the meantime, we will be back with you all next week, most likely. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye.